I'm Alex Melleris. And I'm Tai Seifu. And a couple days ago, we were like, oh, one of us was like, oh, I can't do Sunday. Can we move to Saturday? Oh, sorry, I can't record on Saturday. How about, how does Friday look? No, sorry, I can't do Friday or Monday. And that's when I proposed the idea, you know, nothing at all is happening. Maybe we could just take a week off. Uh, no one will, will be too hurt by it. And then I think it was the very next day, the Yesperi Kotkaniemi offer sheet occurred, which is, of course, the second offer sheet in the past eight years or so, and the third in the past two. And of course, they both involve the same two teams. And we said, all right, so now I guess we have to do an episode as soon as we can. But as soon as we can, it ended up being right now. And even this one is a bit of a time crunch. Uh, we only have about an hour. So we are going to dissect this singular important transaction uh, as much as we can in the amount of time that we have. My very first reaction to this was, uh, yeah, that might as well happen. Um, Tom Dundon, <laughs> you know, he was he was bored. All right. He said, you know, my offseason has been pretty bad for my team, the Carolina Hurricanes, from every single angle. How do I make it worse? Oh, I know. Why don't I why don't I pull some middle school behavior and try to get petty revenge on someone who did, you know, a normal thing over two years ago? Yeah. Uh, so first of all, this, 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 these vibes right here, this episode's vibes, I'd like to point out, kind of reminds me of the Taylor Hall trade emergency episode we had, uh, when he was traded all the way back. And, uh, so yeah, shout out to, shout out to the Carolina crew for, I think we haven't had a single week. Have we had a week off in the last like two years when it comes to this podcast? I think the only one was like early January, 2020. We took, mm-hmm. uh, we skipped a week. I think that's the only one. Very nice. So we've been rolling all the way since. Um, but uh, yeah, so shout out to them for uh, you know keeping us going, <laughs> giving us some content. Um, but yeah, there's there's so many different angles to this. It's so it's so weirdly complex, and it's so it's kind of nuanced. Like we don't even know. It's really not an obvious call whether the Habs are even going to match. Um, what exact? What's their deadline? I know they had seven days. Um, but yeah, so, uh, so the offer sheet was on Saturday, right? Okay. Am I correct? All right. So then they have exactly seven days, like I think right, to the so, minute. So it's perfect. So by the next episode, we'll have uh, the resolution of this offer sheet sag, and we can discuss it then. Um, but right now, as it stands, yeah, I mean, on one hand, yeah, you you, you mentioned it, like for Carolina uh, and just just them in a vacuum. I mean, you're right; they've had a they've had an absolutely awful off season uh, with basically everything going on. You know. Uh, well, you know, the expansion draft, they lost Geeky. They trade Jake Bean for not enough. They trade Nadalkovich for not enough. They lose Dougie Hamilton, um, among other, And then they replace, and they replace the goalies with, you know, two injury-prone and, frankly, uh, underwhelming goalies for a team that's supposed to be contending. So, yeah, dog shit offseason for Carolina. D'Angelo. Oh, of course. How could I forget? Yeah, no, the, 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 worst, the worst offense of them all, signing piece of shit Tony D'Angelo. Uh, and... So yeah, just really, really, uh, probably one of the biggest losers of the offseason. I think this this might go a long way for the perception of some in terms of salvaging it. I know for me, it certainly doesn't. Um, I don't think for them, I don't think this move brings val- much value to the Carolina Hurricanes, does it? Other than it just kind of put it puts the Habs in a really fucking weird situation. And so this is this is like the epitome of like petty moves because. Honestly, Carolina, whether they, they, you know, if they, if they, if Montreal does match it, obviously Carolina is like no worse for wear. Um, but if Montreal does let him go and then, then you've just traded 
you know, Kotkin, you traded for like a relatively like, uh, well, what a player whose development hasn't gone uh, as the Habs have hoped for $6.1 million for one year. And that's not, that's not a great contract situation for a team. And so, yeah, I don't, I like, you know, other than this really just seems like a, like a petty revenge plan, obviously, like some of the details with the, with the signing bonus and the tweet that they put out kind of indicate that there was a big component of revenge. Um, but even in like a hockey sense, it doesn't really seem like Carolina is getting much out of this. Yeah, really as bad as it does look for Carolina, uh, it's worse for Montreal. This is a massive lose-lose situation for them. Uh, and I mean, if that was Carolina's goal, I'd just fucking over the Habs. They absolutely succeeded in that. Uh, obviously, that's probably not a very intelligent way to run your team when you're just focusing on uh, making another one worse. Because obviously, I've been, I've been going back and forth a bit on what I think Montreal is going to do and what I think they should do. I'm still leaning towards I think they should let him go and take the picks. Um, but obviously, uh, the deal with that is, A, yes, Barry Kakanyemi is still quite young and has a a decent chance to develop significantly more uh, and potentially become, you know, I think maybe like a good second-line center is probably still the ceiling for him. Maybe he'll end up worth around $6 million. I definitely don't see it happening next season, though. Uh, and th- not to mention, he was a recent third overall pick. So when you're losing a third overall pick for a first, that'll probably be mid to late uh, in the upcoming draft and a third. That doesn't look too good. On the other hand, you know, you match and all of a sudden now you have this extremely overpriced player who is going to need to, you know, the qualifying offer will be the same moving forward and you can't trade him within the next year. But going back to the other one, if you let him walk, all of a sudden, you know, your roster uh, actually, the, you know, the on-ice roster is in an extremely vulnerable position with your centers all of a sudden being Nick Suzuki, Jake Evans, Brian Paling and Matthew Perot, something like that. Maybe Cedric Paquettel squeak in there. So uh, really, really bad from every angle for Montreal. So on that front, I guess Carolina succeeded. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, they, <clears throat> I don't think there's a there's a big lose-lose situation. Well, maybe there is if, you know, they get Cockney. I mean, he's, he ends up being complete dog shit. And so they've kind of burned a first and a third. Um, but uh, aside from that, like the, the benefits aren't huge. And it really kind of seems like they're kicking the team when they're down. Which like, you know. First of all, yeah, I think it's. I think this whole situation is hilarious. I think it's a lot of fun, and uh, I'm all for this. Uh, unfortunately, I get the vibe that the general managers don't like this, um, and that they're gonna get kind of get scared off. Like you know, like it's always been a thing with with these offer sheets. Like one of the, it feels like the deterrence for offer sheets for many of these GMs is like, oh, well, what if the GM gets the the, the other GM gets mad at me and he like you know he's pissed at me and he won't. He'll do mean things to me. Um, and I don't think that's really ever happened. Uh, maybe once or twice in the history of the until NHL. Now. Um, until now. Exactly. And that's what that's what that's what I'm a bit sad about because I, I really hope that this doesn't turn the other GMs from signing offer sheets um and, and be a little belligerent and, and go after these guys that where there's value. Um, but uh, I mean this seems like this this kind of thing, it seems like you know, the general managers are very easily spooked people. Uh, and this seems like just a thing to, to spook them. <laughs> out of offer sheeting. Uh-huh. Yeah, I even remember, I think even on the show you talked about that and kind of tried to, uh, you know, 
dis- disprove it or disagree with the notion that GMs would try to, you know, have revenge offer sheets or whatever. And I was like, oh, a GM would have to be so stupid to go out of their way just to get revenge on some other team for an offer sheet. And we fail to consider that GMs are indeed that stupid. <laughs> I guess more specifically owners in this situation. Uh, so I think this is absolutely going to scare GMs off of uh of offer sheets or at the very least it's going to scare teams from offer sheeting carolina players which is maybe the galaxy brain nonsense thing tom dunn and don Riddell are trying to do like ha even though this contract that we're trying to yes barry talk to will be bad for our team we're scaring off anyone from ever offer sheeting one of our other players because then we might fuck them over two years later how about that you know what i say i think that if uh if Carolina really wanted the Asperger Cup, can you know, they should just drafted him when they had the chance. I think that would have been uh, extremely cool at the time. Uh, speaking, of, speaking of that draft, um, <laughs> speaking of that draft, uh, this week on Sens fans are endearing themselves to me. Uh, someone said something really funny about Yesberry Kotkaniemi that I was like, I've never even heard of this guy, but I'm curious how far after Brady Kachuk he was drafted. <laughs> That's that's great. Um, good to see the Sens fans aren't totally self-absorbed. Uh, psych. Um, but uh, <laughs> but um, war, yeah. So like, man, I the Galaxy Brain thing might honestly work though, because just because the GMs are so uh, yeah, but it's not worth it though, because you never get an offer sheet anyway. True, fair enough. But on the off chance that you do, uh, and Carolina's a team that you know. Their development system has always been very good, particularly with defensemen, um, that, you know, you probably do have a number of RFA situations now and in the future. Um, and maybe this is the kind of thing they want. Look, I wouldn't advise it. I think it's I think it's a bit stupid. And, you know, definitely the, the way to go about building a team is to improve your own, not because there are 31 other teams to kick down. And that's just not an efficient way to go about things. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, so this doesn't, this certainly doesn't, like, improve Carolina's as I was saying this doesn't improve Carolina's uh or my outlook on Carolina's offseason um it doesn't make it worse per se I don't think um we'll we'll have to we'll really have to see like what Montreal does I think that really kind of determines it um if if Montreal does match and they keep talking to me at that contract I think for Carolina it really is um the epitome of like it nothing really happened to us um but we just kind of kicked Montreal in the nuts um if they if they do like if they do let him walk though which I personally, that's what I would do at this point if I was a Habs. Like, take the picks. Um, because, okay, well, I think there's there's two competing visions, right? Um, my vision with this team is that I don't think it's a contender. Um, you know, they made the cup final because of a fluke run. They were terrible all regular season against all these Canadian teams that aren't very good. Uh, and all of a sudden, you're in the Atlantic. You really think you're going to contend? Uh, and so, you know, I don't think Kakaniemi is as valuable a piece uh, that you need to spend that kind of money, $6.1 million, not just this year, but you know, moving forward with his qualifying offers. So I would let him walk, but I know that Bergevin thinks he's in a window. Um, and it's also maybe his last year on the job here, right? So I could certainly foresee a situation where he's like, you know, fuck it, uh, we'll, we'll keep him um, because it's our contending window. Because yeah, there's there's nobody at center right now on the Habs if you take out Kakaniemi and and at that point you know your second line center becomes Jake Evans your third and fourth centers are complete dog shit uh so it does screw up the roster construction I personally say who cares uh because you know I don't think this team is particularly good uh but uh I, I could definitely see Bergevin going ahead and shelling out the big bucks much to the uh Habs cap situation demise yeah you're talking about like Bergevin thinking the Canadians are in a window now 
or that they want to contend again. Uh, I guess we mostly just have to look at, you know, Kakanemi getting a healthy scratch in the Stanley Cup Finals to say that I don't think the idea of, oh, when's our contention window really comes into consideration here because either Kakanemi or the draft picks, I look at them both more as futures or future assets, especially because they're hoping Kakanemi hasn't really gotten close to his full potential yet. And I think if they really are thinking, like, let's contend right now, then what Eric Engels was talking about is probably more likely to happen. I don't know if you saw this, but he said that his hunch is that they'll let Kakanyemi go to Carolina and then trade for Christian Dvorak from the Coyotes. I don't know exactly what the price would be, but people were saying they might even be shopping the Carolina picks. They might even say, yeah, we'll give you the first and third for Dvorak. I don't think that would be uh, very well advised. I think that it would be quite good for Montreal to have that unprotected first-round pick from Carolina, not just because 2022 is going to be a great draft with a lot of talent at the top of it, um, but Carolina, especially because of you know that precarious goaltending situation, who knows if they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, I think they're probably going to be on the bubble, you know, obviously them missing and winning the top pick is a, is a possibility, decidedly. So I think that Montreal would be quite stupid to trade that unprotected first for Christian Dvorak. But I think that is a reasonable target. That's a player that would slide in quite well at second line center, I think, at least better than Kakanyemi probably in the next year. He's 25 years old, signed for, I think, four more years. Does Kakanyemi grow into a player that's as good as Christian Dvorak? I see it as a maybe. Yeah, and I think I think really you got to ask, like, what's the price on Christian Dvorak? Um, and I hope that if he does make that move, um, that Bergevin is at least sniffing around beforehand and not kind of like putting his eggs in the Dvorak basket um, before he's actually got to kind of trade worked out with Arizona. So, um, so yeah, I because uh, at that point, Arizona would have all the leverage in the world. Uh, and, you know, you'll end up overpaying for a Christian Dvorak, which I don't think is advisable. Um, and Because, yeah, he's, it's, it's Christian Dvorak. He's a fine player. Um, but I think the ceiling, the ceiling is probably slightly a bit lower than Kakaniemi if if everything goes well well with Kakaniemi. And that's another thing too, you know, like, man, I I can't, you know, you can't blame. Like I, I I'm just trying to gauge like what's Kakaniemi's unhappiness level because you know he was third overall pick. He hasn't really you know reached those expectations in his first few years in the league. Um, and obviously healthy scratch in the playoffs. So he's not, you know, Ducharme's not the biggest fan of him, and so it's clear that he's unhappy. He's unhappy enough to go ahead and and sign that one year contract. Now, obviously, the money's a big part of it, and good for him for getting it. Um, but uh, yeah, I kind of wonder where his head is at. And if you do bring him back, is he uh, an unhappy camper? I haven't really thought of that, and I think if this was a more reasonable deal, maybe that would be discussed a bit more. Honestly, though, I think Kakanyemi could have been the happiest player in the world, and he still would have been pretty stupid to turn down three times his market value from the Hurricanes on an offer sheet. Like, I, even if he had been playing the entire playoff, I think he's like, yeah, I'm. that's definitely uh, more than enough for, for me to agree to. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, $6 million is just way too much. Um, but, uh, like, you know, I think there's some sort of emotional attachment or, or, or obsession with the optics that the Habs have, you know, laying a third-round pick or a third overall pick walk on an offer sheet like that um, and getting a first and a third. 
I uh, I think that would I think that would hurt optics wise. Uh, and yeah, you gotta wonder why is you know like RFA's typically you know you'll see a handful of them go and make it and still be RFA's like this late in the off season. Um, but uh, you gotta wonder if uh, if Bergevin maybe should have worked on that extension a bit with uh, with Kotkaniemi so that. Carolina wouldn't have this kind of situation. I know. I know. Bergeron is playing hardball with the cap and all that because it's a pretty cap crunch team. Um, but it looks like it's cost them millions of dollars in the end, uh, and, and with that one year term too, if they keep him. Yeah. Generally speaking, I th- I guess like the optimistic side of me is thinking maybe this will uh, make way for more offer sheets, just because Kakanyemi is kind of the the level of player that I think it's reasonable to target with an offer sheet and actually hope they come to your team. Guys that have been offer sheet in the past, like Sebastian Alho, Shea Weber, Ryan O'Reilly, the their teams, those are the types of players that are so good. It's like, yeah, we will uh we'll match anything. We'll hold on to you no matter what. And the offer sheet ends up coming to nothing. Whereas like I, who was it? I don't some reporter was talking about like, oh, if Carolina really wanted to get revenge they should have just waited till next year and offer she did nick suzuki but that kind of misses the point which is that you could offer she nick suzuki montreal is going to match it because of how important nick suzuki is to the team whereas kakanyemi that is a lot more uncomfortable for them it puts them in a very difficult position and i think that teams need to start being a lot smarter with these offer sheets targeting mid-level players like last summer uh when tampa bay you know had a million rfas and they couldn't afford to keep them all, even though they did with LTIR, of course. That would have been, everyone's like, why aren't you, why isn't anyone trying to offer sheet Eric Chernak? Now I'm sure teams were talking to him and maybe he didn't want to leave, but that would have been the perfect player to, you know, Eric Chernak could be worth like $5 million. And they ended up giving him like 2.9. And those are the kinds of, you know, mid to high level value players that I think really, you can really hurt teams with that, which is what Carolina is doing for Montreal now. Yeah, absolutely. And when it comes to the draft pick compensation, like honestly, it's pretty, it's pretty cheap. You know what I mean? Like uh, we, every, you know, you hear about like the four first rounders you pay them, like I don't know, twelve million dollars or whatever. Um, but when you're talking about these mid level players, like it's like you know, so what first and the third for Kakaniemi, and if you go down lower, maybe it's just a first, you know, maybe a couple seconds, and you know, and then you and then you take that into consideration, like well, in a vacuum, would I trade for this player? for like a first round pick or two seconds. Uh, and if it's an RFA, a young RFA, who's got that kind of ceiling, um, you absolutely would take them. And so I don't see why you wouldn't kind of hand in that offer sheet and hope that they actually come to your team because, you know, you would make that trade if that team was offering that trade, right? And instead you're just going around and doing the offer sheet. Um, so so that's that. And um, yeah, so... Yeah, and the fact that Kakaniemi isn't a no-brainer like keeper... Yeah, it's absolutely what makes this so uncomfortable for the Habs and why it is such a tough decision, right? Um, because yeah, you you hit it on the nail. Um, if he if he was a if he was a franchise player, um, which he ha- which he isn't and hasn't been, um, you know, it, you would match whatever they offered, even if it was just one year, even if he was slightly overpaid. Um, but you know, that's the thing. You really don't know with Kakanyemi because his development hasn't gone uh, completely to plan because I think they rushed him. Um, because they had no centers. Uh, so I think, you know, that's now you got to make a tough decision because he's certainly not worth $6.1 million. The Habs don't have that kind of cap space, honestly. Um, I mean, like, what's their situation? They have they have Byron and Weber to start the year in LTIR, but like Byron's probably going to come back at some point. At that point, like, can you, 
it's if they can, it's probably a very tight fit in terms of fitting everybody on the cap. If you have Kotkaniemi at six point one million dollars, and then like the next year after that, you got to re-sign him to six million dollars or roundabouts five, maybe five. I think. I think actually the qualifying offer can be slightly less than the last year's offer, uh, last year's contract, but not that much less. Um, and, and then you got to sign Suzuki, right? And then, well, then now, well, now what the hell are we doing uh, on top? And then you got to replace the defenseman that's leaving. Even if we're not big fans of Ben Chirot, he's still a warm body. So, you know, it, it really is a, a, a tricky fucking situation, no matter no matter which way they go. Um, do you care to offer a guess on, uh, like, not 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 what you would do, but a guess on what Bargerman would do? Um. My guess is Kakanyemi goes to Carolina only because that's what Eric Engels thinks is going to happen. All right. That's my valuable Fair insight. Enough. Uneducated opinion. Up you. Um, how about me? I think, man, but I think, first of all, if they do let him walk, they definitely have to do something with the first round. I think they will. Like, I don't think I would, but I think they will do something with those picks or at least some sort of picks to to get that second line center because, obviously, you know, you don't have NHL centers. You don't have enough NHL centers um, anymore if you lose Cockney, maybe. And, and now, now that whole Deno situation, you know, like, man, it really gave Cockney quite a bit of leverage as an RFA now that they let Deno go. And I think that's a bit, that, that was a mistake in terms of you should have got that done earlier. Um, if possible, and like maybe give up a bit because now you're giving up a whole bunch if you do keep him. Um, but uh, so I think they gotta figure something out in the background. I think they'll have to overpay because all the teams know what's up and that they have no centers and they want to compete. They want to contend. Um, my guess is that my but but in the end, I think my guess is that they keep him. I think it's the easier Ooh. route for Bergevin. I think that's why he does it. Um, I don't think he's worth it, obviously, but. It's, you know, they've had the option of keeping the center. And I think Bergevin thinks that it's easier to keep that center than to go out and acquire one for potentially, like, way too much because, you know, the, the leverage isn't there for the Habs. So that that's, that's, that's what I think right now. Maybe the Canadians should just offer sheet Elias Pettersson. What do we think about that? Yeah. I think that's a brilliant idea. I'm sure he would want to leave yeah. Vancouver. Doesn't everyone? I mean, I mean, haven't we heard rumblings of discontentment? Uh, oh well, he he like did he put out a tweet or was it in, in an interview when he was like, I don't win or some shit like that, which like obviously, but like you know, not gonna happen to Vancouver anytime me. soon. Yeah, so I've just seen I've seen several like general things like Canucks players not happy with how the team is being run, and of I course, uh, they cannot be blamed. I don't know if you, I saw uh, people were posting on Twitter Elias Pettersson. Posted like on his Instagram story, something like, uh, it's the first book I've bought in years. Can't wait to start reading it. And he was just like holding a book. And I don't even know what book it was because everyone was like editing something new over it, like Dr. Seuss or whatever. I don't even know what the original thing was, but <laughs> maybe he, maybe he should read an offer sheet from another team and leave Vancouver. Maybe. I know Mr. Booth. I know Mr. Booth edited, uh, a Seattle tourist book or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah people yeah. fell for it. Yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> um, but uh hey, if we can get if we can get an offer sheet, what's that? I was just gonna say, uh, to be serious though, Pedersen is one of those players that Vancouver would match anything, match any offer sheet and just figure it out later because he's that important to them. Yeah, yeah, but you might as well make it hurt. And if we can start like an offer sheet, uh, you know, like a wave. A wave of offer sheets like dominoes. Oh, what an offer sheet domino! Um, I I would be it would be so much fun and it would bring much life 
to uh, the the early September hockey season. Um, please make it happen. We need more offer sheets. These are fun. They they give so much to talk they're about. They're so fun. And it's like it's so much. It's it's so much drama. So much tea. It's like it's like it's almost like gossip. It's like uh, especially with this whole revenge shit going on. Um, uh, it's just it's excellent. It's excellent, and it's like it's like my favorite thing that can happen in an offer sheet. Offer sheet. An off season is an offer sheet. An off off season offer sheet. What did you think about that twenty dollar signing bonus in the Kakanyemi contract? God, if there was any doubt that this was simply a, a petty move, um, that that really nails the hammer in. If that's an expression one one uses, um, because uh, yeah, that's it's a it's a it's a very nice bit of trolling, and I think it's funny that 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 Kakanyemi went along with it. Well, I, I mean, I guess he would go along with anything if it pays him six point one million dollars this year. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, he he signed the twenty dollar signing bonus, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's <laughs> I'm a, uh, I like you know I think it's I, I think it's it's petty. I think it's a cheap shot, but I think that stuff is hilarious. So so shout out to Carolina. You know, not not yeah for a sport for a sport that prides itself on being oh we're the we're the toughest guys in the world. They seem to get hurt pretty easily by just you know a hockey transaction and you hold the grudge for over two years. And all of a sudden you're like, yeah, that'll show them all, but a $20 signing bonus in. Oh yeah. That'll cut deep. It's like, is this like, like a teen soap opera? Like, what am I watching? Well, you know, remember that, that graphic a couple years ago that was like, no soap operas, just hockey. And like every month and a half, it's relevant to bring up how incorrect that is. (laughs) <laughs> yeah no absolutely and like did you see the did you see that you saw the tweet too right that they put out carolina yeah carolina's tweet i uh, they had a bunch i don't know which one you're referencing all right the one i'm referencing is that um i'm gonna try to find it right now but uh it's basically they they put out a statement from don waddell uh and it was it was like word for word what Bergeret oh, yeah, said yeah. two years ago um so you know, I know, I know that social media account likes to likes to troll, um, but this seems to be you know, it doesn't seem to just be social media. You look at the contract; it's like it's organizational, and they made it personal. And uh, yeah, absolutely, a bunch of a bunch of little butt hurt general manager management and ownership there, uh, because uh, <laughs> Jesus, you really you really went to a six point one million dollar length to do this, um, and uh, yeah, Tom Dundon's rich and petty. That's what I take away from this. Yeah, I remember like right after the Aho offer sheet, Carolina tweeted a poll like, uh, do you think we're gonna or do you think we should match the offer sheet? And the two options were yes and we. Oui. And everyone thought it was really funny because, you know, French. And that actually was pretty funny because, oh, you expect it to be yes and no, but they're both yes, but once in French. And I think Carolina got the wrong message from that, which is that it's if they tweet in French anytime to dunk on the Habs, it's always funny because now they're like their bios in French. They had a tweet in French. It's like French itself isn't funny. Like it won't be offended that you're writing in the language that they speak. Yeah. I think they, uh, they got a bit of the wrong idea when it comes to humor. Um, what do they got here? Comte officiel. Les Hurricanes de la Caroline. <laughs> um, wow. Very, very funny. Um, yeah, this really seems like, uh, you know, they 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 didn't realize that the joke got old the second time they used it, um, and uh, makes me makes well, me question their sense of humor. French itself well, wasn't the joke the first time, right? Well, well, part of it was right, like the fact. Well, they could have just Barely. said yes and yes, right? And then it would have been it would have been it would have been part of the it would have been it would have had a similar effect. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess you know. But but now they've taken it too far. 
it's not even something it's not even funny now you're just now you're just using french um so good for them i guess but uh maybe work on the trolling job also maybe working on making better offseason moves um but uh yeah get for carolina like i don't have a I'm not like, oh shit, they really own the Habs. Like, oh my god, they're such geniuses for this. They own uh, them my by signing a contract that's likely to cripple their team moving forward. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, you know what? If, if if it's like it's like a game of chicken, right? It's kind of like that Seattle thing with Carey Price. It's like Bergevin is engaging in that game of chicken, although this time it was like what Carolina that engaged in it first. Um, but uh, it's like, no, you take the contract. No, you take the contract. And it's like Carolina out of thin air created a contract that neither team really wants. Um, and uh, they might just <laughs> well, they might just does, be stuck with it. You really think they want Cockney at six million dollars? Well, why would they sign it? To fuck with Montreal. I think we've established that. <laughs> yeah, but like I'll, you know? I know we've established that, but like it's it's like they wouldn't if they didn't want him on their team or if they at least weren't okay with having him on their team at that price there's no way they would you really think that they're gonna be like oh yeah then montreal will keep him and it'll fuck him over and then if montreal decides not to keep him they'll be like oh shit i didn't realize we, we have to take him now yeah, we, yeah they, they failed to consider that possibility um maybe maybe um because i mean well if they do if they're they are okay with that consequence like and then giving up a first and a third on top of it, like that's not. I would also be kind of concerned, you know. Like that's not a smart hockey move, I don't think. Right. So like you're giving up assets and you're signing a guy to too much money, and you got to re-sign him again next year for a similar amount, regardless of how well he does. Like, come on, like like that's that's not uh It's it's funny, I appreciate it, but it's not good management. Um. So uh, a bit of a head scratcher there from from Carolina. I think say they they got a bit too uh, the the red mist um, caught up in the revenge plan because um, uh-huh. that's that's sure it sure is what it seems right now it's out of nowhere and it's uh, yeah. My favorite thought is that they'd been planning this for two years, like oh, you just wait till that third overall pick who oh remember he was only he had only played one season at the time of the Yahoo offer sheet. So they were probably expecting, you know, a significant growth curve. And instead, like, you know, not really. But maybe they had planned, like, oh, yeah, when he's super good in two years, I'll give him $6 million. And they just never circled back and made sure that he was worth it. I hope they, uh, I really hope they had an offer sheet revenge committee um, where people actually spent their time <laughs> plotting how to how to get their revenge on the Habs. Because um, uh, I feel like <laughs> every team could idea. use a revenge committee. A revenge committee with like thirty-one people who each specialize in how to get revenge best on each team. Yeah, of I course. That would come in handy. Yeah, that's the best way to run a team, right? Um, instead of <laughs> just 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 go based off of revenge. That's all you want to do. Kick all the other teams down a notch. Um, a hundred percent efficient, right there. Uh, and so yeah, what, what was I gonna say? I was like, it's like, oh yeah, it's like. Dr. Like, Doofenshmirtz from Phineas and Ferb, who instead of making a machine that'll make his voice deeper, he makes one that'll make everyone else in the entire world's voices higher so that his will be deeper by comparison. Exactly. It, it's that kind of, it, that's a perfect analogy. Thank you very much. Um, and uh, yeah, I hope there's, I hope there's a Manila folder right there somewhere in the, in that Kane's front office that just has, you know, like Mark Bergevay's head, uh, a picture of his head with like the eyes crossed out and stuff. Um, and it's just, it's just. <laughs> And the mustache ideas drawn. For... <laughs> yeah, the mustache drawn. Um, and I don't know, with a 
with skimpy arms uh, and something like that, <laughs> something of that nature. Uh, and yeah, it's uh, it's really quite the instance of a NHL soap drama, and it's it's beautiful. Yes, we love to see soap operas and ice hockey. Yeah fused exactly. together uh, title drop sort of anyway i hey, have a oh, list of phases in front of me um okay. and there's one more like decent center who's like hmm, you know maybe that could be an offer sheet target if you know christian dvorak falls through from montreal and they want to get all offer sheet uh off you know trigger happy again robert thomas the st louis blues uh i hadn't realized he was an rfa but he is and he looked like he was, you know, really trending upward. He had 42 points in 66 games in the 2019-20 season. But this past year, he only had 12 points in 33 games. Kind of took a step back. So his market value is probably, you know, well, it's definitely lower than it would have been a year ago. Uh, and I think that could be an opportunity to maybe make a reasonable offer to a St. Louis team that is uh, kind of close to the cap. They're one and a half million dollars of cap space according to cap friendly yeah yeah that's that's certainly an option um yeah so that would that would uh we would love to kickstart that offer sheet dominoes um big fan big fan um but yeah like honestly offer sheets are so underrated as a as a vehicle to to acquire players like hey there is real value there um because of the, the way compensation is designed um and, and that it is pretty relatively cheap in terms of draft picks like you know would you make that trade in a vacuum? The answer is yes. You should be doing it, right? Um, and uh, you know, make it hurt for the other team, but also potentially get some some real value trade wise, transaction wise, and uh, you know, all these guys. Why why wouldn't you offer sheet any of them? Why not? Wait, they're not all of them are eligible for offer sheets, right? Um, but uh, yeah, all the ones that you can go for it. That's what I say. Mm-hmm. They're even. I don't remember where's the tier because there is below a certain point where there is no draft compensation. I think it's like under two million dollars. So like, there's a lower end player, even like a minor league RFA you're interested in, go for it. You might just get them for free. Yeah, hundred percent. Let me just uh, let me pull up that offer uh, offer sheet calculator. So it's no compensation up until one point three five million dollars. Okay. Um, all right, and then, and then it's a third round. There pick. are players who you give that to, like, oh, 100 percent. And you know, you know what I would do? I if I if I there was a team that was pretty cap strapped and was full of RFAs, why not hit him with a, hit him with a tidal wave of RFAs, and like make him think about it, like all under that 1.3 million dollars, and and kind of make him sweat, or or even no, go to the next tier. It's only a third round pick, right? And if you know, a lot of players are worth more than a third round pick. And a whole bunch of them are signed to undervalued contracts as RFAs. So, um, you know, less for for less than that. So really, kind of put that pressure. I think it's a, I think it's a great idea. I mean, look at yep. that. Looking at the list of uh, RFAs, still, does anyone have more than like two? Ottawa has three RFAs right now: Brady Kachuk, Drake Batherson, and Logan Brown. So. NHL GMs, if you're listening to us, offer sheet Logan Brown for $1.3 million, and it's going to work out perfectly. Yeah, well, but but not because but not because Ottawa lacks the cap space, but because Ottawa doesn't probably doesn't want to spend the money, right? Yes. Um. Yeah. Exactly. So why not do it? Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. 
Um, is there are there are there other angles to consider when it comes to Kakaniemi, uh, or just I'm sure there are other angles we haven't considered, um, but I think we've we've done a pretty comprehensive overview of this. And oh, here I have an idea actually, and I have a feeling this is going to be yet another one of my famous uh, terrible ideas that you'll tell me why it sucks immediately, and then I'll go, oh, you're absolutely correct. What if uh, <laughs> what if every team was required to off to sign at least one offer sheet every five years. I think. Well, okay, so they have to get the player to agree to sign the offer sheet. Yes. Once every five years. I mean, I'm for it. Uh, is it? Is it? I'm for it. You know what? I think it's a. Uh, well, I think maybe it loses some of the uh, the drama appeal. But then again, you know what? You can't have too much of a good thing. I don't think. And offer sheets are a maybe great ten thing. years, maybe ten years then, because even that would be like, because we're not used to having one of these every summer. Yeah, yeah. So ten, one every ten years. That's a or yeah, one every ten years. That's about what three per off season. That's plenty about. of off. That's plenty of offer sheets, right? You know, on an average, you know. Um, all right, I, I can get behind this. Um, is there is there any reason for this besides uh, entertainment value? Probably not much. No. Other than maybe boosting boosting the RFA's uh, compensation, which is which you know a valuable cause, but uh, uh, you know what? I'm not I'm not gonna be the uh, the wet blanket, the party pooper, because um, uh, you got a supporter. Mandate offer sheets every ten years for every franchise. Do it. I have just I just I'm thought in. of a downside. I thought of a downside, oh, which is that immediately what would happen is like I don't know Minnesota. And Florida would be like, hey, uh, tell me when you've got a contract done with uh, your RFA and we'll just offer it to them and you can match it. We'll do the same for one of yours. And then we filled wow. our quota. Wow. Wait a, wait a, yeah. They, they, they'd find some kind of weird, what's it called? Like a uh, hockey, hockey man loophole to collude and get themselves out of it. Yeah. All right. Once out of 10 years, you must piss off another GM with an offer sheet. That's the rule. <laughs> How's that? Yeah. Once every ten years, you must act like a petty high schooler. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And we we are the ones who get to determine whether you met that criteria with ever offer sheet. Whether your pettiness oh. was petty enough. <laughs> exactly. All right. I think. I think. So now that we've covered that loophole, I think we're looking at a a flawless piece of legislation. <laughs> yep. All right. All right. So what what a scale are we? What criteria we're we looking at to judge pettiness? Are we looking at like signing bonuses or like statements right. about the offer sheet or history between the two teams or the okay, color so of red in the owner's face? Um, so I would like at least one uh, unfunny but petty number joke in there somewhere in the contract. Uh, I think that would be really funny. Kind of kind of like the Aho thing. Um, but like I just want to see it every single time uh, just, to, just to really kind of nail the point home. The point nail the, I don't know to to whatever yeah. I don't know what that saying is, um. But uh, so uh, what was I thinking? What the what was the question again? I don't know. My mind just blanked. Uh, what what criteria are we using to judge pettiness? Oh yeah, how petty how petty is petty enough? Um, I think I don't know. We could probably get a bunch of like fifteen year olds in a in a room and then like you know like like a like a, what's it called like a test group or some shit like a focus group a focus group, kind of like yeah. exactly and kind of run the run the scenarios like 
would you would you consider this petty behavior in your high school um and, and see where it goes there majority rules and you know if you could put your the 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 offer sheet criteria in the hands of 15 year olds let's do it why not i don't see how this plan could backfire at all let's do no, it i don't i don't either um all right so since we run the we'll nhl you. we'll uh we'll instill this new plan effective immediately <laughs> yeah we'll pass it on up um up the up the chain of command um and yeah. uh, <laughs> it's coming to a it's coming to a hockey league near you so so watch it watch it yep but yeah all right there's one other interesting piece of news to discuss Perfect. which was this today or yesterday i don't remember um but the blackhawks signed connor murphy notable mediocre de- defenseman 29 years old to a four-year extension 4.4 million dollars a year um, I mean, it's not the worst contract Chicago has signed a defenseman to this offseason, but it's still uh, an overpayment, I would say, for a number four defenseman or so. Yeah, I think he's a he's a solid second pair defenseman. At twenty, at twenty eight, would I give Connor Murphy five years? No, I sure as shit wouldn't. But uh, you know, it's not egregious by any means. I wouldn't have given him the contract, but then again, you know, who's on Chicago's blue line now aside from Seth Jones and Connor Murphy? Like uh, Jake McCabe, see. Calvin DeHaan, Caleb Jones. Uh, and they actually, they do have like one of the strengths that our pipeline has been defense, even though Boquist is gone now. Uh, Wyatt Kalanick kind of had like a bit of a coming out party near the end of the season. Uh, Ian Mitchell, Nicola Baudet, Alec Regula should probably all be like uh fringe NHLers at this point and on the upper. Right. Well, Connor Murphy isn't exactly a fringe NHLer. It's a pretty well established one, so you know, four point four million dollars, that's not, you know, for a second pair of defenseman, that's you know, it's a bit much. I mean it's a bit much, but it's he's not bad, bad. So like he he has his role on the second pair and he's pretty good at it. So Yeah. It's it's just another card. Was he an RFA? No way. He was he just no, no. He actually had one year left on his contract, $3.85 million, and then the 4.4 kicks in. Hold up, hold up. How old is he now? Like, Is he already 28? Oh, he's 28. He... Oh, boy. He's okay, 28 so he's gonna... uh, right now, yeah. And he'll be 28 for most of the upcoming season, and then 29 when the contract kicks in. Uh, okay, well, that's that's a bit painful. Pain for but only, only like 32 for the last year of it. What's that? He'll only be 32 years old for most of the last year of that contract. He won't be uh, ancient. What do you mean? He'll be he'll be he'll be 34. No. Well, he's 28 for this upcoming season mostly, and then it's yeah. a four-year contract. So he'll be 29, 30, contract. 31, 32. No. Oh, it is four years. Never mind. I yeah, misread four. that. Um, okay, all right. So four years. Okay, dokes. But yeah, he'll be what? Yeah, 32, 33, 32. That's it's all right. Uh, well, 29, 30, 31, 32. Yeah, 32. Pretty good. But not great. But not bad. It's like, why are we even talking about Connor Murphy? But that's that's the offseason, right? Yes. All right. So on that note, uh, I think this might be our shortest episode since the Taylor Hall emergency episode. But I have to... Uh, get this one up fast because i am going on another podcast that starts recording uh less than 40 minutes from now so thank you very much 
for listening to this week's episode of Fusion Ed Hockey Podcast. Ty said, do you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom? Uh, words of wisdom, I've got none. Um, final thoughts, uh, have barely any. Um, but, uh, you know, it's the end of August, so that's my final thought. Pretty good. Thank you very much for listening, as always. Um, you can hit the subscribe button. You can catch us on uh, all the platforms. Tell your friends about it. Catch us on Twitter. Our handles should be in the description. Um, or uh, follow our podcast Instagram page because uh, you get our you get a, you get a post reminder every time. Uh, did we uh, put up the survey for uh, last week's? I was just gonna mention. Uh, I forgot to put up. Okay, I'll do that like right away. I'll put up uh, the sure. poll for last week's fruit draft, and uh, we will find a winner there. All right. Right. Were awesome. you done your sign off? I have done my sign off. All right.